This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, Way, are you there? I can't see you, Way. Way? I'm here. In oh. the dark. Right here? Yeah. Oh. Put on I your night vision goggles, man. One sec. Oh, you're right in front of me this whole time. And I'm holding a steel chair. Now, the real question that immediately came to mind was how fast... Are we seeing night vision goggles on WWEshop.com? Ooh. Um, I mean, I don't know what production times are like these days uh, for night vision goggles. Um, I'd give it a week. I think so. I think so. Your Viper night vision goggles. I've never um, worn a pair. Uh, I've never even seen one in person. Is that what they look like? They look like ski goggles to me. (laughs) He looked like he was about to go uh, dive into a pool. Um, I trust. I trust that those are legit night vision goggles. Sure, it'd be great if they just had swimming goggles. Well, use your imagination. I mean, I mean, they're they're multi-purpose. I'm sure. I'm sure you can get a lot of uh, use utilization out of them. All I will say is that this does not build to a hell in a cell match. What this builds to is a blindfold match. They they've got to give up their vision. Mm. Or for for this next match. That's what it has to be. I feel like we've had plenty of those over the summer. You can throw Ray into it, Alistair Black. Well, sight has been the prevailing um sense that has been uh trivialized this this year, that it's been jeopardized among so many performers. I mean, from I mean, that could be Survivor Series. It's like the blind leading the blind. That could be the tagline for Survivor Series. We could have Ray. We can have Alistair Black, Randy Orton. Um, I think you say that for the end of 2020. Wouldn't that make more sense? Perhaps. And then that is the that is your December pay-per-view that you rechristen, throw out TLC. This is not a year for TLC. We close off the year with hindsight 2020. There you go. That's our pay-per-view. What a way to end off the year. 
Yeah, I'm looking up night vision goggles. I mean, they those are definitely like skiing goggles or something. How much do night vision goggles go for? Uh, like on Amazon. Yeah. Like what's a good pair? Night vision goggles on Amazon. Um, like 150 bucks. That's not a bad deal, but Oh, there is like a toy night vision goggle that's like $20 maybe. I don't know if that How effective are the toy versions versus the real ones? Like if you can see in the dark, you can see in the dark. I don't need uh any g- gadgets attached to it. Yeah, you know, I'll have to look at some maybe YouTube reviews, read some of the comments, but I mean they could have been legit night vision goggles, I suppose. Uh night if- vision binoculars. If I got you night vision goggles, say as a Christmas gift, where could you see yourself using night vision goggles in everyday life? Like where would be uh, an example that you would say to yourself, damn, I wish I had those night vision goggles that John got me for Christmas right now. Hunting. Hunting? You'd go hunting in what? Pitch dark? Potentially. Yeah. Where? In the forest. I don't know. Apparently, you've moved further than I thought you did. Well, not me. Okay, I'm saying if, if you're in the downtown core, you cannot just be brandishing a firearm and shooting at things that you think are animals. In the city, I would say there aren't many purposes for night vision goggles, um, unless you really wanted to ride your bike. Um, and it was like what's what's really what's dark? the distance for you to go put your trash out? Like if you forgot to put your trash out and it's two in the morning, are you walking a, a bit of a distance or is it very close? Uh it's pretty close. I don't think I would need night vision goggles for that. Um, it would just be a hassle putting them on to walk that distance. Um, but if somebody had a large lot, may uh maybe potentially, uh, I'd imagine it, it's I don't know maybe more of a more of an uh sort of a rural tool. See, there's nothing more that I, I would not want than undue attention. And I feel if I went out in the dark with those on, inevitably somebody would spot me and say, are you wearing night vision goggles? And thus a conversation has begun that I am roped into. But how would they see you unless they were also wearing night vision goggles? That's a great point. That's a great point. If I was just out, out and about in the city, wouldn't really need them. And I guess if it was dark enough, yeah. I would see them. They could not see me. So, um, you know what? If if there were four people that cost me a WWE championship and they happened to be playing poker, that's that would be the plan I would hatch. I will get night vision goggles. Like, what a plan. What a plan to concoct for Randy Orton to come up with that as... Like, he did not go and buy a firearm. He did not just run in with, like, weapons and throw them at these people. He did not use... He was going to take them out with a chair after disguising himself as a janitor for three hours with the payoff being, I'm going to turn the lights off and then attack each member with a chair, knowing that none of them are going to be able to find me in this tiny circumference of a room that's a hell of a plan that you scratched tonight well it worked didn't it 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 clearly did yes it worked perfectly this pointless game of poker that was going nowhere all night what a what a payoff it was what do you mean i'm sure some money was exchanged i'm sure some money was lost uh fortunes were gambled i don't know how long they shot those poker scenes but you could tell by take one 
Shawn Michaels was ready to get out of there. This guy had no desire to be playing poker. Mm, um, Christian was just kind of hanging out there. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'd have to know how the game was going for him, but um, it's not, it's not fun for everybody. Some people just don't like playing cards. Are you a poker guy? No, not really much of a poker guy. Um, I, I, uh, I, I used to play Brisk. That was my card game of choice. Brisk, what is that? Briscola. Isn't that what they Italian game? Isn't that what they did on being the elite this week? I knew I knew that there was a brisk reference coming there. Yeah, very different uh, context. Uh, the the brisk game. In fact, when I saw that today, I was expecting him to make a joke about the card game, and instead they went with the ice tea, which would probably be the more relatable brisk comparison to make. Yeah, I never heard of that brisk card game, but um, I'm sure it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was your Monday? Oh, it was fine. Caught up on some rest, you know, not too busy. You? Uh, about the same. We set a record in Ontario today. Yeah, we did. 700 new cases. Um, so it's I couldn't believe that, 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 that we set a new record, like all time COVID cases, like not early spring. No. On September 28th, we set the record in Ontario. It's certainly alarming. Um, you know, the news does also say that it comes with a bit of a, it comes from a bit of a backlog, but also uh, increased testing as well, which is uh, more than what we had initially when numbers were at about like these levels. Uh, but nonetheless, it's very alarming and, you know, tells us that we are definitely headed in the wrong direction. Yes, uh, that that would certainly be the case, and yeah, it's it's really starting to to dawn on me of just uh, what what progress has happened. It's it's more like uh, we, we've we've climbed this 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 tiny hill, and then you realize, oh no, that that's the mountain we're going up right there. It's like I, I thought I just climbed the mountain. No, this this was just to get you to the starting point. Now the challenge begins. That's what this feels like. It's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, I'm a little beaten down by this way. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I understand. Like, it's I, okay. I'm really, dude. it's starting to really uh, weigh on me. Just the uh, how how far this is gonna go. Like, I've just, I, I I've gone through spurts where most of the time it's just okay. This is everyday life. But then there's other days where you've just hit a wall with all of this stuff, and it's like you just feel like you're going in circles at a certain point. And it's a little, it's a combination of just frustration overall and, and then you just let certain things I think get to you when you, when you see, like if I have to hear one more, uh, anti-mask debate or something like that, like, I swear, I'm just going to lose it. Well, where where are you hearing it? Uh, I, I let it in myself just when you're, you're online and you're, you're just seeing like, uh, the person that feels they're so unique having to be the contrarian to tell you how the how the world really works and and what the truth is about this virus i just i can't even take it anymore it's like i mean if you've if you've made up your own mind and it's like you know an argument that you don't even like feel the need to take part in because you know for a fact this is how what you believe then just stay away from the argument i'm not i don't care about the the discourse online what i am annoyed at is the fact that i think we could as a whole have a better handle on this like there's there's a, a level of control to this virus that i think we could be further ahead than we are 
And I think that comes down to, listen, there is obviously there's going to be cases. There's going to be problems. There's uh, an acceptable level of, of public risk that has to be out there for our society to function. But to me, there's, there's a lot of this uh, risk that is taken that is totally needless. And whether it be people that have to stop me in the street to lecture me on wearing a mask or whether it's people that just That's don't happened? believe I have been stopped in the street for wearing a mask. Wow. And it's just, I, I can't take it. Like my patience level is fairly manageable, but now I'm at my wits end. Take a deep breath, John. Um, I've, I, got, I've got raw to soothe me. It's uh yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely understand like how frustrating it can get at, at any time. Um, and, and that's been different for everybody. For some people like your level of frustration, they probably met at the very beginning, you know, imagine people who have lost jobs. Uh, people who you know can't go to work and, and people who have lost lost loved ones like it's I, I'm saying this on behalf of those people oh like I understand that have dealt with this that have had serious repercussions uh, both personally financially like I am completely on the side of these people that have gone through so much I mean in the grand scheme of things like I I, ca I can't really go and and see my family in any kind of you know like meaningful way in terms of like once it gets colder out and all these things that it's just, um, you know, people have it way worse off, but I, I can imagine that frustration level of like, if you looked at March and all the, the warnings that we got, all of the, you know, precautions and to imagine where we are today, like I, I just, you know, you, you just go in circles at a certain point. Like this is what we have to deal with. Um, you just hope that there's going to be some light at the end of the tunnel. And it's, I, I feel we're going backwards. That's what it feels like. Right. Anyway, I don't want to drag on about all of this, but um, do you want to chat about what is coming up on the site this week? That's a breath of fresh air. Coming Great up on shows the this week. Yeah. Uh, G1 coverage continues. We've got three straight G1 shows starting tomorrow on to Wednesday and on to Thursday. And that, of course, will be for all Patreon members at postwrestlingcafe.com. Also on the Patreon tomorrow, our latest edition of Rewind Away, where I will be joined by Chris from LA and Nate Milton to talk about WCW's Slam Jam Volume 1. This is not a pay-per-view. It is a instead a compilation of entrance themes written for WCW by the artist known as Jimmy Papa, I think with some help from Michael Hayes as well. Um, in 1992, WCW, they released this, and uh, it features a number of classics of that era, such as The Man Called Sting, Mr. Bang Bang, Steinerized, uh, just some classics. So uh, feedback thread is up right now at the um, uh, forum. You can also just find this album yourself on YouTube by searching WCW Slam Jam. A lot of people are leaving feedback already, so... Uh, evidently, it's something that it's a it's a CD that seems to mean a lot to a lot of people. And you're bringing in the heavy artillery to review this one. Yeah, Chris from LA, who is our executive producer, and also Nate Milton. These two I know have very fond memories of this particular. Um, I, I was going to say CD, but this probably came out on cassette. So uh, I'm I'm really just kind of there to guide their conversation to uh, you know see what what thoughts that they've had growing up with this thing. Uh, I look forward to listening to that uh, Tuesday. I'll do the G1 show with Benno and then me and Way as 
as we mentioned, we'll be back Wednesday and Thursday with the two of us doing those uh, G1 reviews. And uh, just a quick look ahead to this weekend, uh, a few shows coming out on Sunday. We'll have the long and winding Royal Road with WH Park and Hisami on Twitter, who is a great uh, resource. Uh, they're going to be doing a comprehensive biography on Mitsuharu Masawa. And I think the show is going to be fantastic uh, to listen and learn about the life and career of Mitsuharu Masawa. That will come out on Sunday on the free feed. And then Sunday night, Braden and Davey will have a NXT TakeOver post-show following TakeOver 31. So uh, barring any um, uh, electrical outlets, if Retribution strikes down on the BDE. Did you just get the Amber Alert? I just did. I just did get an Amber Alert. Yeah, it works. Wow. Um, anyway, um, on that note, uh, do check out the entire schedule up at postwrestling.com and, uh, anything else to add away? Not so much right now. Yeah. It's uh, it's always a busy week in the post wrestling cafe. We want to thank everybody who joined us for September. We're rolling over into October next month and uh, G one continues as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So next week we got Rocky three coming out. So if you got time, some sometime this weekend, watch that, leave some feedback. Okay, let's go through some of the news items from uh, Monday. Uh, this came out uh, that the five Retribution members, um, th- this was uh, first noted by uh, Dave Meltzer on the Sunday night's main event show that that may, uh, that the Retribution members, uh, some of them were not cleared, and that's why they did not appear on Clash of Champions. And then Monday, Ryan Satin reported that the five members have tested negative for COVID-19, but are in quarantine for for two weeks. Uh, we don't know when that quarantine period began, uh, but uh, I've been told earlier in the day that they were not uh, figured into Raw, and tonight you did get representation of them in the sense that they did put a video package together and kind of teased uh, Retribution during the Hurt Business six-man tag, but no Retribution members uh, physically appearing on the show. And also, no... No PC students, no uh, none of like the NXT people, and thus no Raw Underground tonight. So I, I think that you know all of that uh, combined together, you can't really pull off Raw Underground if you're not using uh, the PC people, which is the safe choice to be doing now. So um, I was told ahead of time like Raw Underground will continue, but it's uh, was not used on Monday night. Yeah, we we continue to see fallout out of all the uh, news that's been coming out over the past week related to, you know, health concerns and uh, COVID-19, you know, potentially related um, cases. And as we mentioned, you know, a number of these, like, it seems like what they, um, Ryan Satin reports that they're negative, but they're being quarantined. Um, okay. So, yeah, uh, actually, I'm, I'm watching Mia Yim on her Twitch stream right now. Yeah, she was uh, do- doing a, t- a Twitch stream right after Raw. So as we speak, going head to head with us. I know. How dare she? Well, she's doing it for charity. So, well, that's good. Well, Watch it. We're actually not live, so hope everyone uh, did the. Uh, yeah, they're 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 raising money for uh, Chris Riddle. Correct. Uh, I'll have to look that up. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, speaking of the the COVID cases. Uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler kind of weighed in on uh, what was said on the WWE broadcast on Sunday on the Clash of Champions show. Uh, Nia Jax uh, spoke about, um, I'll get the exact quote here. She said uh, today, I could not be better. I apologize that the announcement scared some, but all is great and healthy on my end and my tag partner's end as well. And 
you know, she didn't flat out say it, but it sounds like, you know, she does not have COVID. Uh, Shayna Baszler outright stated she does not have COVID-19. So in both cases, um, probably the same deal as, you know, uh, just when it comes to contract tracing that, you know, people that came into contact, I think WWE is doing the right thing here. It's not like just because you're negative doesn't mean you're, you're free and clear to come on TV. Like they are quarantining people. And that's what it sounds like the deal is with Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, as they uh, kind of clarified their status on Monday. So again, we don't know when the quarantine began. And I guess that will determine when they're back on TV. I guess you would expect that, uh, probably after next Monday's show at some point. I guess. Uh, we continue on with SmackDown from Friday night in the U.S. The show did uh, just over uh, 2.1 million viewers. So it was, it was slightly above uh, the overnight figures uh, that came out over the weekend. 2,110,000.6 rating in the demo. And they were going against the Stanley Cup final game on NBC between Tampa Bay and Dallas. Uh, which did just over 2.2 million viewers. They also went against the NBA game. That was uh, pretty big. Did 4.3 million viewers on ESPN. In Canada, SmackDown was the sixth most watched sports broadcast of the night with uh, just under 186,000 viewers. And overall, I think SmackDown, it it did that really big number two weeks ago. That was like 2.3 million viewers. I mean, we're talking a difference of 200,000 viewers here. But uh, coming off of Clash of Champions, are you expecting a bit of a bump for SmackDown given where they went uh, at the end with Roman Reigns and Jay Uso and also taking into account that there is a NBA game they're going against the NBA finals on Friday night. Do you think that that's going to hurt SmackDown or do you think that there's some buzz coming off the pay-per-view that might offset that bump? I mean, for me, there's definitely some buzz coming off of the pay-per-view, whether or not it might translate to um, a rating for SmackDown. Um, I'm, I'm really unsure. Um, it's not like there was a title change, um, you know, really just felt like it was the almost the end of a chapter and the beginning of a new one. And if that's enough to get people to watch SmackDown, I'm really I'm real. I don't have as much of a sense, you know, and also I would mm-hmm. say like the buzz kind of might might kind of wear off from a Sunday to Friday stretch. So I'm, I'm kind of predicting things stay the same. I think it's going to be a. I think if they stay at two point one, that's actually a win going against the NBA game. Like we are into the finals now, so I think you're going to get that much more interest in the NBA. You've also got the baseball playoffs that are starting. Wednesday is going to be a very competitive night. They've got game one of the NBA finals, the baseball like the wild card round. They do not have to go against game seven of the Stanley Cup Finals because the series wrapped up tonight. The Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup tonight. Congratulations. Great. NHL, the, the NHL, seriously, like they pulled this whole, this finishing their season and they did not have one positive COVID test. I think that's, that's, that de- definitely deserves congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's pretty impressive, but it sounds like the players, they do not want to do another bubble season. Oh, makes you wonder what they're going to do next year. Yeah. And what, and when, what, what the time frame will, will, will be like, it seems like that's been, you know, something that they're trying to negotiate when they kick off their their next season but anyway they they got through this one uh rob van dam and katie forbes have wrapped up with impact wrestling this was reported by pw insider they uh rob van dam had not been under a contract for some time he came in did a short-term deal and then it's just been working on kind of a 
just just like a, a short agreement, but wasn't actually under contract. Uh, have you been following Rob Van Dam at all much in Impact? Like to me, like he's been doing this character that's almost like he's going through a midlife crisis, and it's not been great. I, I don't think that this is this is probably a good time for Impact to kind of move on. I, I, I don't think that. Uh, they were necessarily like keys to their their programming at this point. It kind of ran its course, and it's probably a good time to separate. Yeah, I've I've, I've only been aware by by seeing some of the videos uh, virally, and I mean, you know, for a company like Impact, I think anything that might attract any sort of outside attention um, probably can be perceived as a good thing. But I I guess I do wonder like how how well it translated to a few that you might have wanted to see with Ron Van Dam in the ring. Did you feel? How did you feel? I mean, they, they recently just wrapped up this feud with Sammy Callahan. I just, I don't know. I, I didn't think they were doing this new talk show segment with, with them. I don't know. I, I, when I was watching Impact, which I don't watch every single week, it to me was not all that great. Like, I, I really wasn't into the characters that much. So I, I didn't. And I mean, it ultimately comes down to like, how much is, how much are you paying a, a Rob Van Dam? Like, if it's a, it's a sizable amount, like, could you just utilize that elsewhere. So I, I'm curious, like, where where could you see a Rob Van Dam fitting in? Is he just going to pick and choose indie dates at, at this point? Like, do you think this will probably what? be the end of him regularly with a national company? Like what indie dates, right? Well, you're right. I mean, when indies restart, I guess would be, I mean, the guy's 49 at this point, I'm guessing. Yeah, it's hard for me to see him in a, any sort of regular role for any of the, you know, major promotions that are out there. Um I, I think at best you might see the occasional cameo here and there, but um, I I can't really think of a, a a proper place where he would fit in. Other him than and Joey Janela, him and Joey Janela at a GCW show, I could see them booking that. Okay, interesting. And th- they probably have a good idea to to do something like that. Like GCW is very good when it comes to uh, utilizing guys with a name. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what else do we have here? The G one on Tuesday. Uh, at Core Q and Hall, uh, it's the resumption of the B Block, uh, featuring Tetsuya Naito, Hiroki Goto, Evil versus Toriyano, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Juice Robinson, Zack Saber Jr. against Kenta, and Sonata versus Yoshihashi. Uh, anything that uh, stands out for you, Way? Uh, are you going to be able to catch this show? Oh yeah, yeah. I'll try to catch it at some point. I mean, it's you know, it's it's two hours, but they're very enjoyable two hours. So. Uh, just to kind of stay up on storyline, of course, and, and really stay up on the points to see how badly I do in the in the predictions contest. Of course, I'll be watching, but it's it'll be the main event that I'll probably looking forward to the most. Um, the rest of the card, I have I'll have to say, like amongst all the G one shows, this seems like one of the weaker ones. Um, but you know, I don't discount the idea that somebody could steal the show. I could see Naito beating Goto and Yoshihashi beat Sonata. And then Thursday show, Sonata gets his first win beating Naito. What do you think about that? Um, yeah, could be. Yeah, sure. So what? He would be 0-3 heading into it? He's, yeah, if he lost to Yoshihashi. Possibly. I guess you could have him you you could also have him beat Yoshihashi before the Naito match. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but I, I could see Sonata being Naito's first loss of the G1. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, Dynamite, they've got their, their lineup for Wednesday. They've added Orange Cassidy against 10, who is uh, Preston Vance. And yes, we've got a taped edition of AEW and a taped edition of NXT, which has the face-to-face. This is going to be tricky because 
The face-to-face segment is Finn Balor and Kyle O'Reilly moderated by a man we just saw die tonight, Shawn Michaels. And he's got to be, on Wednesday, he's going to be totally fine. That is true. Right. Um, Yeah, I wonder if they had planned. I mean, obviously, I guess they probably didn't have that plan. I bet they they did not have tonight's angle plotted out when they shot this last week. So Yeah. Hmm. We will see how how detail oriented maybe they are with Shawn Michaels. So you have to have the announcers like, oh, he's walking with a little bit of a limp there. It seems well, like. Listen, uh, we've seen Shawn recover from a punt pretty fast. I'm I'm sure <laughs> he'll true. be able to recover from this chair shot pretty well. But it really negates tonight's angle. If we just see him 48 hours later, he's going to walk out there with like, I I guarantee you he was I I'm sure he will look completely fine on Wednesday. So definitely probably call- just ignore it. Yeah, I mean, definitely calls in the question at what point this angle, like what they shot tonight with with uh, the legends in Orton, when that was conceived. Um, it, 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 you know, they are up against some definitely, you know, strange circumstances. Um, NXT also has Damian Priest and Io Shirai against Gargano and Candice LeRae and Shotzi Blackheart against Dakota Kai, and that's our go home show for Takeover on Sunday. But our last news item way. Mm-hmm. This is a segment that I have just for you. It's called The Chronicles of McGregor. Oh, boy. All right. Ready for the latest? Yeah. Well, of course. first of all, he told Dana White that he broke the man code first because Dana White lied about Connor not wanting to fight. Okay. So that was, uh, that was his response. But now he's moving on. He's moving on from the breaking of the man code. He tweeted Dustin Poirier tonight, and he asked, Hey, Dustin, are you interested in doing a charity exhibition fight? On December 12th in Dublin, I will donate half a million dollars to your charity, which is the Good Fight Foundation, which is a charity that Poirier runs. And he just said, we'll work it out on a pay-per-view or TV deal. Nothing to do with the UFC, no weigh-ins, open weight. Unified rules, I'll cover your travel, and we will promote it through McGregor Sports and Entertainment and the Good Fight Foundation. So, huh. he has done... <laughs> There's no way that this is uh, that the UFC is not going to try and put a stop to this, but for the UFC to do that, they will be denying half a million dollars to a charity. Oh, yeah. What a, what a position Conor McGregor has played. I, th- I think he was playing uh, more chess tonight uh, than anybody else. Oh, for sure. So, um, okay. So legally, does he have? Would he have any right to do a charity match? I don't think that this is going to fly with the way. Uh, again, I don't. Connor may have a very unique contract that, uh, since the since he was able to do the boxing fight, and who knows how many times they've torn up deals and made new ones. So I don't. I would imagine if anyone's going to have unique language in their contract, it's Connor. But I cannot fathom that. Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor could just do an exhibition fight outside of the control of the UFC. And if fighters could do this, Randy Couture and Fedor Emelianenko would have found a way to do this in 2007. Like, what, what qualifies as, a, as an exhibition fight? <sighs> like. Unsanctioned? Uh, I mean, they would be fighting in Ireland. So, I mean, yeah, you would be out of the commission oversight. Um, so, like, the Ultimate Fighter fights, they those are technically exhibition fights, too, right? Uh, but they're overseen by the commission in, in Nevada. Okay. Right. Yeah. But um, they, they, they are exhibitions in the sense, like, they're two-round fights. They don't go on your permanent record. Um, they're labeled as exhibition bouts. I mean, an exhibition bout largely comes down to, like, it's an amateur fight. Like, you don't get paid. 
And you know, I guess technically they're stating that neither guy – like, think about the logic of this. Conor McGregor would be willing to fight where he would donate $500,000. And I guess in theory, if his company is promoting this and they struck a TV deal, um, he would be rewarded in that. Like, I don't know. It's like Conor McGregor, I mean – once something is official, it's like then you can, I think, ninety percent believe it's going to happen. But the man is just—I um, mean, he just throws stuff out there, and it takes on a life of its own. And this is uh, this is his latest uh, thing that he's just throwing out there. I mean, I think when you throw the idea of a charity anything out there, you better follow through eventually at some point. It's really tacky to be using that to, as just like a negotiating ploy to you know, state you're going to donate this to a charity. Like at the very least of this publicity stunt, it should give more attention to Dustin Poirier's charity that he does a lot of great work for. And this guy better make a donation, whether this fight Mm -hmm. happens or not, because that's really tacky to be using charity for a a, a Twitter back and forth with Dana White to gain leverage. Yeah. So that's the latest on Conor McGregor. Uh, And now we move on to Raw. I feel like MMA these days is just like... You know, uh, Twitter publicity stunts. Well, I thought that uh, perhaps uh, Paulo Costa, who just got outclassed by Israel Adesanya on Saturday, he's now petitioning for a rematch. There's not a soul in the world that is demanding a rematch, but I think this guy should. Maybe he has been watching Raw and realized, you know, you can get a rematch without any reason. Open challenge, yeah. Even if, you, if even if you lose a title fight the night before, clean, you get a rematch. It's Delina Vega. She got granted a rematch, no problem, after last night. Well, you know, if you attack the champion after the fact, yeah, that that's, qualifies that's what That's what Costa should have done on Saturday. Mm. Should have jumped out of Sonya from behind. So the show began with Ric Flair, Big Show, Christian, and Shawn Michaels coming out, followed by Drew McIntyre and Drew told Big Show and Christian that they helped him out a lot in his 20s. Christian went to bat for him. Big Show was always there for him. Sean's a mentor. Flair, he was in awe of being on the same WWE roster as Ric Flair when he was 22. And Michael said that the four of us got together on our own without Drew's knowledge to, quote, even the odds. Is that really evening the odds to give Drew a five-on-one numbers advantage? This would be unevening the odds. Yeah, I guess so. Um, that doesn't really make sense. Because, um, like, it was a no-DQ match, so, I mean, Drew was able to cheat. Uh, even if Orton cheated, I mean, it's a no-DQ match, so was it really I mean, cheating? He, it was within the rights of the match. Like, he, mm-hmm. he could get away with this, so, I mean, it was it was fine. But, I mean, it wasn't evening the odds. This was stacking them against Randy. And it says that Ric Flair was the mastermind behind this whole thing. Um <laughs> There was also a point where he was like putting over like the attributes of all three. It was like Big Show, the biggest champion in the history. Uh, Shawn Michaels, Mr. WrestleMania, Ric Flair, the most title reigns. And then there was Christian. He didn't have any attribute to assign to Christian. He called him the fighting champion. Oh, is that what he called it? The fighting champion. Yeah. Distinguishes himself from all those non-fighting champions uh, (laughs) all these years. Did he not Uh, have a gimmick where like you... He wanted to defend the belt often. No, he had the gimmick where he kept losing title matches and just demanded one more match. And right, right. I mean, eventually he he did win. Orton appears on the screen. He says, "This isn't over until I say it's over." 
you've got no idea what hell is, but you will. And I won't be done until I'm champion, which I guess is how this works. You keep going until you win the title. And Orton doesn't have to beg for another title match. He'll be given another one. And he picks up his bags and leaves the building. While Drew says he's going to defend his title, issuing an open challenge tonight with someone he has never faced before. So, Way, uh, we're getting it. Hell in a Cell, Drew McIntyre, and Randy Orton, it appears. Though Randy was so subtle here with his reference to what type of match they'll have. Yeah, honestly. I mean, you know, you're talking about a month-long feud at this point, and logically, logically, I think it is something that you could fit into a Hell in a Cell. But I mean, they had such a big blow off at um at the you know yesterday's pay per view. Um, it does you know make you wonder. The spot I hated the most was the punt. Like the punt should have been saved for the end of this program. And if Drew's not winning at the end, the, why did we do that punt when Randy wasn't even selling it the next night? To me, like that punt signified the end of this like that just wrapped everything up and should have had Orton disappear for a few weeks and I just I hated the fact they did that punt right at the end of that match I think as like you could give a reasonable explanation that the numbers he had all this help and you didn't beat me you shut a door um but instead I want us to be locked inside a door Mm -hmm. yeah there's ways you can get around it I just if you were coming back with it the punt to me was just silly to do and then tonight even worse so when it wasn't even acknowledged nor sold yeah yeah i don't disagree with that um you know the fact that orton says i won't stop until i win the title does that tell you that he'll probably win yeah i mean this is like a kid like playing a video game he's just got an endless supply of quarters doesn't matter how many times it's game over he just is going to keep going so drew just has to keep facing this guy until he loses it's kind of a kind of a silly career arc for drew to be on well, maybe Orton's going to have to put something up in this Hell in a Cell. Like what? Uh, his vision. Oh, the goggles. Yeah. If you lose... um, I get your night vision goggles. I was going to say he'd get blinded, but I'm like, we've kind of gone to that well already, so they would have to come up with something more, more clever than that. Kayla Braxton interviewed Zelina Vega and said that she was a bit of a poor sport last night. Vega was just getting started. This is the, these challengers. I mean, you got to give them some time. Okay. It, they're not going to, they're not going to empty. They're not going to empty their gas tank in one match. You, this is like, we're in playoff season. It's best of seven. Okay. They're just, this is just a warm up. That's what's happening here. Oscar says, Oscar walks into the shot. She says she's not ready. They get into a pull apart and we got Pat Buck who had uh, multiple cameos on this show. Pat Buck was all over. They need people to pull people apart, and uh, I guess Adam Pierce is only you know so busy. Do you think that it uh, maybe this was he knew Nia Jax was not in the building tonight, and it was safe for him to come back? Could be. Mm-hmm. A little uh, payoff to that angle that we forgot about. Oscar and Zelina Vega for the second straight night. Oscar go f- for the armbar quick, but Vega uh, ties Oscar up with a submission. Then Oscar lifts Vega with a knee to the face and a German. Vega goes for a Kimura, but is suplexed out of it. And then Vega does her European clutch into the Oscar lock. The same finish as last night, but this time Vega has it scouted, gets to the rope immediately, and then hits a backstabber while Oscar's distracted. Oscar gets her foot on the rope, and Vega goes to the top, 
lands on the knees with a moonsault into the Asuka lock, and she taps out. Asuka is not releasing the hold. This one goes 8 minutes, 43 seconds. I thought this was another good showing from Zelina Vega. And, you know, in particular, it's her her use of, like, a certain type of submission style that really does, at this point, set her apart from much of the rest of the women's roster. So I, I don't really know if she's just been training differently or just doing more different moves as of late, but it's clear in the last two matches that we've seen of her that the office recognizes like a like a new talent within her. And of course, the timing is really good in her favor because a draft usually means new directions for everybody. And she kind of seems poised for something fresh uh, on, on a brand new show, perhaps. So I obviously, you know, the way she became a contender at all could have been handled a whole lot better. But at least in these two matches, I I feel like she's definitely shown herself to be deserving of a spot. Yeah, I thought that uh, Zelina Sabre Jr. Uh, did, did another fine match tonight. I think yeah, ZSJ, she... perfect. Yeah, there we have it. Um, so I'm looking forward to um, the next couple of rematches. <laughs> the Legends start playing their poker game, and my God, the cutaways throughout the night, this seemed like the boringest party you are ever going to see. Ric Flair wanted to... Shawn Michaels in particular wanted to be anywhere but there. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a, this know. is a COVID era party. COVID era party. Yeah. Well, listen. People share plates on this show. People just take food off of uh, like, you know, like you're in very close quarters. Again, it's like the the testing they're very sure of. Sure. So we had Andrade come to the ring, and he tells Zelina Vega she is nothing without him. Oscar beat her twice. She's the weak link. He was holding this together, and he is the greatest in WWE and asks who wants to face him. Uh, so again, more of the separation between them. But this this really seemed to babyface Zelina Vega. Yeah, that seems to be the new direction. While Andrade breaks out as, I guess, a bigger heel on his own. You know, it's certainly a little sad to see this Andrade-Zelina union end. They were a great pair. Probably never reached the heights that they could have on the main roster. Uh, but certainly the act was getting stale. I mean, this entire summer, um, they were just really spinning their wheels between, you know, they, they definitely showed some bright spots with Zelina bringing in Angel, even bringing in Austin Theory at one point. But the the rest of the summer was just like pretty bad, I would say, for all of them. So might as well break them off. Um, Andrade as a single star. I mean, uh, any update on Angel Garza that you've heard today? Um, I mean, he was getting checked out today. And I mean, I had heard from uh, two people that were of the impression that it wasn't a a significant injury, but um, I don't know for sure if that uh, what that means for um, what kind of injury it was or how quickly he'll be back. But I think the the hope is that it's not too bad. But they didn't really elaborate on tonight's show. They only said lower body injury that he sustained. So hopefully it's uh, not as significant as, you know, what was feared when you saw the spot on Sunday night. It definitely makes you wonder if they'll just break them up anyway. You don't let the draft or if they'll keep them, them together as a tag team. It kind of feels like they've hit the the end point. Like this, this was, a, I thought, a very good promo from Andrade, but then he was just served up here to Keith Lee. But you've kind of, I don't know if they really try and, reheat Garza and Andrade up and maybe you're right. Maybe they just go separate ways. 
Mm. Uh, Keithley answered the challenge. He hit a big splash and then tossed Andrade, uh, hit him with another avalanche, and then Andrade came off the top. He gets caught, and then Andrade hops down, chop blocks the knee, hits the running double knees into the corner, and then as he's trying to pick up Lee, he's hoisted in the air for the spirit bomb, and Lee destroys him. Two minutes, 51 seconds. On the bright side, I think this is what you should be doing with Keith Lee instead of, you know, he sells for half the match. And, I mean, they they got to get some, like, big, big man spots here. And it was, like, a dominant win for Keith Lee. But uh, Andrade, I don't know what this this means for him. Well, a guy without a tag partner um, usually means that they're on some sort of job or duty. You know, just like Eric right now. Or headlining a pay-per-view. It can go both ways. That's true. I mean, does... Does Andrade have any siblings or cousins who are world champions? Uh, not not uh, not on this roster. No, unfortunately. So I guess Gars is his storyline cousin, but I, I don't think that's going <laughs> to unlock his keys to the. Are they so, are they cousins in storyline? Uh, isn't that that how it was explained when he came up? Gars is uh, were cousins. I, I I I forget that. I don't remember that. But um, I think Carrillo. You can think of Carrillo. Oh, that's that might be what yeah. I'm thinking of. But, uh, you know, strong little exhibition for Keith Lee here. MVP and Benjamin were showing eating earlier in the day. This is kind of funny here. They were in catering. Um, this guy sits down on his phone. And I thought this totally baby-faced them at first. Because this guy was so obnoxious. Didn't even acknowledge them. He's on his phone. He's chomping away on his food. So Lashley then comes in and says, hey, you're in my seat. So he shifts over. He's still on his phone. and then. He's scared off by Lashley. He apologizes. Lashley takes his food, and they just laugh at this poor guy. No Cedric Alexander here, uh, nor was he seen throughout the night with the Hurt Business. Mm-hmm. They would say that he was, they said he was, what, off to Hurt Business boot camp? Yes, I guess that's what they're calling so They're it. running a boot camp now? Uh, I guess so. Wow. Okay. Well, Great. everything's open in Florida, so I guess they can run a boot camp. Yeah, so uh, bullying this guy, taking his plate from what I would assume would be like a buffet-style catering. Or, or maybe not these days. They probably, I hope not. Yeah, I hope they would have individual portions or like one person serving maybe. So then they replayed the shark killing from last week. R-Truth is seen playing chess, and uh, he's playing against little Jimmy, and he's thinking about challenging Drew McIntyre tonight. A masked ninja appears and hands him a letter in Japanese, uh, but also uh, he had uh, Chris Charlton translate it in a separate letter. And the letter reads that Akira Tozawa was eaten by a shark. And this is from Akira Tozawa, assuming that this is coming from the belly of the shark, that he wrote this uh, he, in long form. I think he wrote it beforehand, like knowing that he, there's oh, a Oh, before chance. his death. There was a chance yeah. he was going to die. Yeah. Yes. Well... He said that our battles were epic, and at his heart, he was a ronin until he met our truth And then the masked ninja opens up a case to reveal Akira Tozawa's black belt. And while our truth is taking this black belt, the resurrected Akira Tozawa rolls out from under a table, rolls up our truth as Charles Robinson counts three, and Akira Tozawa wins the 24-7 title. Then the ninja attacks him with the case. It's revealed to be Drew Gulak who wins the belt. But then Truth uses the briefcase to win it back. 
and then Tozawa and Gulak are upset at one another. And this is our setup for tonight's triple threat for the 24-7 title. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's alive. He's alive. Yeah, that's, I think, the big story coming out of this edition of Raw. Um, His character has perished, but the man is physically alive. And Drew Gulak is now, I guess, officially a part of Raw. Uh, Drew Gulak's officially a part of Raw. Mandy Rose is a part of Raw. Dana Brooke is now on Raw. Bobby Roode is now on Raw. Just They just show up. It's just SmackDown has done an awful job when it comes to contracts. It really felt like a one-sided trade. Four guys? There are guys? many considerations that are oh. reserved for the future. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So... I mean, it's been like a year plus of this 24-7 title thing, and um, they just get less and less clever. The idea here to have three title ch- changes to build up to one title change is just crazy to me. And I, I would imagine this match was only put together because they really have a shortage of people available. Awful. Just awful. Murphy's on his phone. Seth Rollins comes in, gives him a hug, and... Asks him why he's in his gear and tells Murphy to go put a suit on. And he walks off, but Murphy left his phone. And the guy doesn't have a code. Not even uh, like a touch ID, you know, face ID. Just a careless guy just uh, walked into this. So our next segment was the King's Court with Jerry Lawler who just had his 50th anniversary show on Saturday in Jackson, Tennessee. And I was reading an article about this, this 50th anniversary show it was outdoors at a, at a baseball stadium. And the, the reporter there noted that masks were required for entry, but most fans and wrestling talent on hand weren't wearing them within the ballpark as they viewed Jerry Lawler's main event and the night's eight other matches. Right. So that's nice. Um, Lawler is here to host a King's Court with the Mysterio family. And the Mysterios come out this segment. Oh, my God. Ray says that he is, in fact, Dominic and Aaliyah's father. And that Seth, he is a sinful human being. Dominic says, it's gone too far. I'm going to put an end to this when I see Seth. And Lawler asks Aaliyah, how do you feel? About everything that's happened. And Aaliyah, I've got to say, I I went out on a limb on last week. And I, I don't know if tonight really validated my comments last week. She is still upset about what happened last week. And she's 19. And Murphy came up to her. And she doesn't know what to think about him. But what she does know is Seth is a really bad person. And he's a fraud. I don't know if Seth is so much a fraud. He's very upfront of what an awful human being he is. He's not deceiving anyone. If Murphy turned out to be a scumbag, that would be a fraud that's putting on a front to Aaliyah. But Seth, for all you can say about the man, he is very clear on his motivations and actions. Well, he's a fraud in the sense that I think he believes something that, you know, most people believe to not be true. That he is some sort of savior and that, you know, he's doing all these terrible things for the greater good. Well, Seth appears on screen. He says Aaliyah may not be telling the truth about her feelings for Murphy. And he can prove it. Because Seth Rollins did something so despicable. 
he violated the man code and he released private messages. DMs, yeah. From mm-hmm. Murphy. Hey, I just want to apologize. Thank you. I hope you're doing okay. I'm fine. It's just been a lot. I get it. But if you want to talk about it, I'm here. And she ends it by saying, I might just take you up on that offer. BTW, happy birthday. The reaction by the Mysterio family. You would have thought Aaliyah just announced that she had eloped with this guy. They are fuming. They are shaking. Ray is having an out-of-body experience. This, dude, this was next level. Oh, I love this stuff. Oh, my God. Aaliyah says, Murphy's not like Seth. And she gets up and storms off. Ray had an impromptu match with the ring ropes, trying to exit the ring as he chased after his daughter with Angie in hand. Murphy goes backstage. He confronts Seth and he's pissed. He grabs Seth, but then uh, out of nowhere comes Dominic who just attacks Murphy. And then back for another separation is Pat Buck with Jamie Noble who pulled them all apart. And then the highlight of the year, dude, Charles Robinson with a double leg takedown. On who? On Dominic? Uh, I think it was on Dominic. Wow. Cool. I don't know if it was Dominic or Murphy, but go back and watch this. This was this was what uh th- this is what Paulo Costa needed to do, put uh, Israel Adesanya on his back. But anyway, Charles Robinson, uh, don't don't mess with this guy. I think Roman Reigns he got lucky on Sunday night, picked the wrong ref, try and shoot on. Oh my so, God, dude, this this acting was just next level. I mean, you know the the addition of um, Aaliyah Mysterio here really just kind of turn this thing up into the next chapter. And that next chapter happens to be telenovela soap opera. Uh, I couldn't stop laughing throughout this entire thing. I love this soap opera shit. I'm so on board. I need to know what happens next, you know? And I do buy, okay, listen, if you're going to put yourself in a, in a soap opera mindset, of course you could, you could buy it. Okay. Imagine this, this dude and his, uh, what is it? Disciple tormenting your family for an entire summer, taking, your eye out, John. Okay? Like, let's say, like, you know, let's say somebody, like, took out a family, one of your family members' eyes and tried to take your eye out. And then all of a sudden, you know, your sister was, like, starting to wish this guy happy birthday. I would be pretty pissed off. Or you should be pretty pissed off, I would think. I mean, Ray conveyed it. Ray's body language spoke volumes, no matter what language you're speaking. Yeah. Uh... At the end of all this, I mean, we, we kind of like we were going over last night, like your hell in a cell possibilities. And I would say that we, we discount like Ray and Seth. That's a logical ending to this. This feud is hell in a cell if Ray is healthy by that point. True. Yeah. But it seems like, like the- that's the feud that is, you know, most ready for it. But I mean, we're looking at I think Drew and Randy, I think they pretty much revealed their hand tonight with that one. And then you've got Bailey and Sasha that I mean, that seems to be your quota. But um there's also this program that is the one that is most ready for a blow-off stipulation match. But I don't think they're going to blow it off. You know, I think they they just added several months more to it with this Aaliyah Murphy. Like, Romeo, well, we got to get to the wedding, right? Romeo Juliet thing. So, I mean, I think they could take this thing at least to the Rumble, and they might even be very ambitious and try to drag it out to Mania. Oh, my goodness. 
Well, uh, more to come on this. Natalia and Lana are in the ring, and they want Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax stripped of the titles and handed to them. They are celebrities, social media influencers, and they have millions of followers. That's their caveat to be given tag titles. Adam Pierce walks out and tells them, that's not how things work. We can't strip them of the belts, but we can make a match with you against the newest members of the women's division on Raw. Please welcome Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, they had announced Mandy coming over as a result of the whole Miss thing. Um, Dana was a surprise. Yeah, and listen, the the way they were presented here on Raw tonight, I mean, it feels very abrupt that they just, they were done with this Otis angle. Like, I, I don't expect that we're getting some long-term payoff to this separation. I think they just plucked these two and threw them on Raw, because that's what it felt like tonight. Like, Mandy is... She was not upset that she's over here. She's not separated from Otis. They did the bare minimum of explaining that the Miz set this up, but she's here on Raw, and we're to forget about that story with Otis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And really, like, anything with her to do with Sonya as well? Like, I would say over the, you know, during her time on SmackDown, I think Mandy has really, you know, she accomplished a great deal, first of all, with the Otis storyline, but then secondly, uh, with the great things she's done with Sonya, and understandably, they had to drop that. Um, but I will say, like, coming off, like, the, the, the follow-up direction that they have for Mandy Rose coming off of those two, I would say, very popular stories, um, seems to be just another generic role in the Raw tag team division, at least for now. Yeah, it, it feels completely um, just like a cold team that's been put together. And yeah, I mean, it's I, only been one week. Like, we don't really have much of a story, but, I mean, it's a cold division is what it is. That is. I think this is the best time to share some reporting that our own Davey Portman conducted. Yes. You see, D- Davey went the extra mile, and he reached out to a friend of his named Chris Last, who happens to be a lawyer, and he inquired about this Otis and Miz lawsuit threat, and we have a breakdown, okay? So this is from uh, an actual lawyer breaking down the Miz and Otis suit. So... This again from Chris Last. Strictly speaking, it makes sense. Miz could sue for monetary damages, but may choose to settle in return for something he considers to be of value. This could be the Money in the Bank briefcase, for example. It would be for Otis to decide if the value of the Money in the Bank contract is worth more than the risk of losing in court and the exposure to damages. Presumably, this would also remove the risk of criminal charges. He notes we don't press charges in the UK, but I believe that's the way it works in Florida, which would be factored into the settlement. He says the terms of the money in the bank contract are important here. Does the winner of the match sign a contract and it is then held in the briefcase, in which case it's worthless to the Miz? Or is the money in the bank contract like winning a lottery ticket that entitles the bearer to the winnings? I'd be inclined to think that the former is the case, as it's always called a contract and not a ticket or a voucher. This would mean the Miz would be taking ownership of a briefcase and a piece of paper, but not much else. WWE would be under no obligation to put their champion in a match against him. Well, have we not had matches where the briefcase has been defended, though? We have had that that happen before. Uh, 
So there is precedent to the money in the bank briefcase being transferable. Right. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much to Davey and, and uh, his lawyer friend for using uh, all those years at law school for this uh, great purpose. Uh, I think um, it's all led up to this. But um, so what? It's He's saying it's possible. It's possible, I guess, that there there is a value to this briefcase and that Miz could, in theory, end up with the briefcase. But not the contract, is what he thinks. Um, the physical contract, yes, but not, not a title shot. I guess that is to be determined. Okay. All right. So that closes the chapter on Mandy Rose on SmackDown. She has now come to Raw, and we had a ma- the match here. They got the advantage on Dana. Let Lana starts celebrating and then nails Mandy Rose on the apron. Rose is tagged in, and she hit this rotational suplex onto Lana that looked scary as all hell. Uh, Lana was fine, though. She kicked out at two, and then Rose hit her with a flying knee and pinned Lana in three minutes and eight seconds. Think about the level you, you would have expected from, from before. It was a passable match. I think I've definitely seen better from Mandy in particular, uh, but it was a very short match, so not, not much of an opinion yet. And then we return to the room. Negligence, Kevin. You're a good man, right? At least you claim to be a good man. Good men don't let bad things happen. You thrive in a system where you can manipulate the viewers. It took one sentence to forgive and forget that you betray people that rely on you. He left me to be with your family. Family to Alistair means cruelty from his own father who Alistair notes was a cruel man. And he asks Kevin if he's talked to his son about betrayal. And he doesn't matter how many others forgive and forget what Kevin has done because Black will not forget as he removes the covering and his eye, which is discolored. Yeah, it's like a black, he's got a one black eye and a blue eye. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. So, Would that happen if somebody jammed your eye inside a steel steps? I don't know. Um, either that or contact lenses. One of the two. Right. I mean, I don't even really think about what the storyline is here because I just, you know, it's it's just you see these two on screen and they're fighting so many weeks. You just kind of forget why they're fighting to begin with. I was reminded on this episode why Alistair Black is upset at Kevin Owens. And the reason is because... He was mad that Kevin Owens didn't come to help him stop Murphy from blinding him. And Kevin he was Owens at home with his family. Kevin Owens' defense was that I wasn't even there, dude. And this apparently was not a good enough excuse for Alistair Black, who, rather than getting revenge on the people who blinded him, decided to spend weeks and weeks uh, vowing to get even with the guy who has a very legitimate reason for not being there to help him. Could you imagine if, like, <laughs> during during this whole outbreak, okay, I head out on a Thursday afternoon, and I get mugged, and I call you up, and I'm pissed. Be like, dude, we usually did the hangout on Thursday afternoons. Where the fuck were you? At home? Like, what logic? I mean, that's a hell of a stretch to make. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You should have been here. <laughs> 
to protect me. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, we go back to this poker game. Um, they're playing poker. Street Profits came in. Kevin Owens against Alistair Black. Alistair's got this new theme. We've got a deep voice that says, Alistair Black. And we go into a death metal song. Yeah, he's got a new theme. I mean, I really like the old theme. Um, I don't know if this is a an, an attempt to rebrand him as a heel. I really did, didn't feel like that was a problem, right? Like, the guy looked cool. He had the creaking coffin thing that apparently he got from The Undertaker because they weren't going to use it for him. Um, and then, like, just a rebrand to him being like a pirate coming out to this new theme song for no reason. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just don't know. I just don't know why they decided to change him because I thought he was he was already great. Well, Kevin Owens jumps him and they get sent to the floor and uh, Black takes over uh, by stomping him and they're having like a very hard-hitting match. Owens does a swanton off the apron to the floor that sets up the commercial. We come back, they're trading kicks and then Black hits him with a, a running PK and Owens starts coughing uncontrollably. And you hear him say, because the camera's right in his face, my throat. And I went and rewound this, and it looked like this kick caught him high on the chest. And it looked like he was struggling here to continue. Hmm. You you think it he, was legit? I, I mean, if not, this guy was selling a... Incredibly, because he was coughing and coughing, and on top of that, the camera went to like a wide angle, uh, like way out instead of zooming in on him. So, I mean, it seemed like he was legit trying to regain his breath, or else this was by far the best worker on this show. But if you go and watch this kick, I mean, it looked like it might have caught him right in the throat. Um, so then Black hits him with a head kick, Owens comes back with a super kick. Swanton lands on Black's knees. There's a V-trigger by Black. Several kickouts. Black starts to get pissed. And then he gets into the ref's face. And then as he goes to punch Kevin Owens, he winds up and elbows the referee. And uh, the referee, Drake Wartz, calls for the DQ at 1320. And Alistair Black is pissed that he called for the DQ. And while he's arguing with the ref, he turns around, gets hit with the stunner and Kevin Owens calls him a bitch. So I guess the feud continues. Yes. Yes. It's over when Alistair Black says it's over and you can't end by a DQ. It seems that, I mean, uh, all Japan went through this where they were going to uh, recondition the audience to expect clean finishes. The WWE is now going through. We've we've got to condition the audience to. We got to bring back uh, more DQs. That seems to be the the new thing. Because goddamn, are they doing a lot of DQs these days? It's their way of like trying to make you think that you're going to see a substantial match, but without providing any sort of conclusion, so that they could do it again. Um, the match itself was good and physical, but yeah. man, the finish was lame, and the the story is so stupid. This was a, just a bad feud. For both guys. I don't think they're advancing at all. Um, Alistair was getting a new look and a new music that's, I'm going to say, definitely not as good as, as his, his original theme. And Kevin Owens is just, man, like this whole year on Raw, granted he was missing for a good portion of it, but man, since he's been back, it's just, he's gained nothing. He's, yeah, I mean, 
I feel like I just keep thinking for so many guys, it's like, oh, they could really use a reset at this draft. But it's like, you, you can't do that with everybody. Like, it's he just, yeah, he, 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 he's moved every like a couple. He's times. gone back and forth. Like, yeah. it's just it's been nonstop. It's just, um, you know, he's I, I, again, I had the same sentiments as you. I thought it was a good match. And it's just like a, a program that you, you really need Owens to have some promo time. I think to uh, you need a good story that makes sense. Like this, this story makes absolutely no sense. Why is why is Alistair Black mad at Kevin Owens of all people, rather than yeah? You've, the you've guy got who, Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, who it's like their their sin is being home with their family during a pandemic. Yeah. Anyway, like I I think I would buy it a little bit more if if Black at all like tried to even get any sort of revenge on Seth Rollins or Buddy Murphy, but he just like he seemed to really let it go. Mustafa Ali walked out of the Hurt Business's locker room and runs into the Hurt Business, who starts shoving him around. Now, they they did bring this up later, that he came out of there, but what was he doing in there? Good question. I mean, maybe setting up cameras, because he's the hacker, right? Okay, we, we could revisit that, maybe. Um, he should have really been on to Randy Orton's plot, then. Maybe he knew. Just didn't care. Uh, they start shoving him, and just like that, Apollo Crews and Ricochet are there and sets up a six-man tag for later. Yeah, this was our reintroduction to Mustafa Ali. Yeah, remember him? Uh, R-Truth, Drew Gulak, and Akira Tozawa for the 24-7 title. Um, the silliest part of this match was when Gulak awkwardly threw Tozawa to the floor and Jessica Carr was in the way. So Tozawa got thrown into Carr and then still had to like go around her and, and fall to the floor. Uh, perfectly symbolic of this entire division. Just a clusterfuck. Four minutes and 13 seconds. It ended with uh, Gulak on top of Tozawa and what? Who won this match? Gulak? Didn't Truth win? I I kind of stopped oh, yeah, paying Truth attention. Won. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because like well, somebody's going to win it again next week, uh, briefly before our truth wins it back anyway. I I just um this twenty four seven thing. I mean, I think our truth is is great. I think he's very funny. I think um in spurts he's he could be really good with the right opponents. I think he could be good, but man, like as part of this twenty four seven thing, it's just week after week of the same thing. You know, last week at least we had somebody get get eaten eaten by a shark. That was at least something new and exciting. But this week was just like schoolboy finish, schoolboy finish, you know? Um, and then R-Truth wins it back. Every week it's the same. And I just, I would really love to see them take a new direction with the 24-7 title. It, it can be something that I think you can use to um, display Don't some... even say it. No, 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 no. Like, I mean to display some actual athletic, you know, uh, feats. Like we've seen throughout this pandemic, what you can do with wrestling outside of a traditional wrestling ring. So, um, you know, somebody like a John Morrison holding the 24 seven title and forget the fact that the 24 seven title at this point is a comedy belt, but just like about, think about like a parkour guy being able to like every single week running away from somebody displaying his, you know, great athletic ability, uh, using the concept of this 24 seven belt that you have to defend in all environments. Like it can actually be something that can be, physically you know interesting rather than just being something that's used as sort of like a like just a lame kind of parody of like what i don't know 
kids wrestling would be. Yeah, I I, I don't know if you can. Uh, I think this has just gone down such a comedic hole that it's not coming back. And I mean, there it just seems like obviously there's proponents that just love these segments because they continue every single week. So there's someone fighting for these. Charlie interviewed Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Rose says she's had her ups and downs, but Dana has always been there for her. That's news to me. Dana's always been there for her. I guess she's physically been been there for her on SmackDown. Maybe backstage. We don't know what their relationships might be like. Dana calls Mandy Rose an inspiration. She's been knocked down, but keeps getting back up. And... They're going to be watching when the Riot Squad challenges Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, and then they're coming for those belts. And they explained it that once Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler are cleared, the Riot Squad will get their title match at a later date. Mm -hmm. Murphy against Dominic Mysterio. Oh, this. I'm excited to recap this. Dominic charges at Murphy, and Dominic gets tossed over the announcer's desk. Uh... There's this right forearm strike by Dominic, and he says, Don't, I told you not to mess with my sister. And Dominic is stomping him in the corner, and it's getting dangerous. We're getting into Alexa Bliss territory here, but he doesn't get disqualified. But then Dominic goes to the floor, and he pulls out that kendo stick, and this is too much. Aaliyah runs down. Don't do it. Dominic, get out of here. I've got to handle this. And they start arguing, and it leads to Murphy rolling up Dominic for the pinfall. And then, theater begins. Dominic goes to attack with the kendo stick, and Aaliyah starts to plead, No! No, he's not like Seth! Do you understand what you just did? I'm doing this to protect my family, our legacy. Have you not seen what he has done to our family? Dad is right. You are naive. <laughs> and she winds up and slaps him. And then she storms off. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, dude. This was amazing. It's great. It's awesome. Dad uh, is right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the acting is what I'm here for. I mean, we've seen the wrestling at this point. This was a good match, I do have to say. I thought it, Dominic displayed some good intensity you do buy like the idea that he's a man beating up a guy for trying to hit on his younger sister. Uh, sorry, let me change that. You buy that he's beating up a guy who tried to blind you, uh, who's now trying to hit on your younger sister. Um, and I can't wait to see where this goes next. In the back, the Hurt Business are getting ready for their match, and MVP just tosses a water bottle onto the floor instructing the janitor to pick it up this is one thing i i did like the fact that we this janitor there was a significance to this this random janitor in the back and Mm -hmm. mvp was such an asshole here like is there any uh is there any shittier thing to do than tossing your garbage on the floor for someone to pick up like that is a dirty trait that's pretty have yeah It's, it's awful dolph ziggler is shown with adam pierce and He is informed he is not eligible to face Drew McIntyre because he's had his shot, but Ziggler has an idea for someone else. So Adam Pearce says, well, instead of telling me on national TV in front of this camera, let's go talk privately. So they left. 
The Hurt Business come out. MVP cuts a promo. He says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, which is the plot for many of these challengers, including Apollo Crews. He says that Alexander had a slip-up last week, and therefore they have sent him to Hurt Business Boot Camp so that he doesn't make the same mistakes that Apollo Crews continues to make. What an explanation. Creative, I guess. So we had MVP, Shelton Benjamin, and Bobby so, Lashley. So what, I mean, he, was, he wasn't on the show yesterday, right? Cedric Alexander was not on the show yesterday. Right, okay. Did not see him. Right. So uh, Cruz, Ricochet, and Ali against the Hurt Business. The babyfaces jump them, and then the lights flicker, and the retribution signage appears all over the arena to set up our commercial break. We came back, and there was never a mention of this again. I guess they just, um, what, wanted to screw with them remotely? Literally, yes, remotely. So maybe they've, mm-hmm. they've hacked the, uh, the production facilities, and they just did this from home. At some point, do you start to suspect, like, the production? Kevin, Kevin Dunn's in Retribution? Or, like, he's just, hey, guys, we need a reason to go to commercial. Let's just, like, can you just flick the lights on and off for a bit? Yeah, we'll just blame te- it on Retribution. Yeah, let's tease a mutiny uh, to go to break. <laughs> and then we'll come back and it's nothing. Like, what a, what a silly... I understand, like, I guess they really wanted to make you not forget about Retribution, but this was a really, I don't know, silly throw to break and then let's not even acknowledge it. But I mean, what were you going to do? There's no one here. It's, it's the whole thing is silly, John. What was silly about T bar? Um, no, nothing now. He's like the, the most popular wrestler on Twitter this week. Guess so. Yeah. When he enables his comments, he really gets it. Uh, Ali went for a satellite DDT near the end, didn't fully get it on MVP, and then he hits the 450 splash and he pins MVP. I swear to God, it was uh, his last comeback, like right down to a T, pinning MVP. Yes. Um, you mean what do you mean last comeback? Oh, the last time he came back. Remember when he came oh, back yeah. and he pinned MVP? Yeah, I think exactly. MVP was the U.S. champion and then just got beat again. Like it was like exactly the same thing. Yeah, we've definitely seen this story before, and last time with no payoff. Um, you know, they are booking Ali as a bit of a difference maker for this babyface team. I was very optimistic the first time they did this. Um, second time I'm less so. So, you know, let's also remember the draft is coming in two weeks, so um how much can they really go with this storyline with before breaking off a certain like a, a wide number of, of these people uh, um to either Raw or SmackDown? I don't know. Flair won the poker game. And then we had our latest Bianca Belair promo. This week, she is the fastest, and she runs the 100 meters and smokes these other three, and she wants to go again, but only two of them want the rematch. She still destroys them. Then the she other gives guy, them a head start. Yeah, she gives them a head start. She still beats them. These are just like the updated Mr. Perfect spots. And then the last guy, <laughs> she runs with hurdles <laughs> and still beats this guy who quits in the end. And Bianca says she was just getting warmed up. Her, like, form? I mean, she's, they did say she's an All-American in track. So, I mean, you definitely see it. Like, she is a very impressive athlete. And, um, yeah, these are kind of corny. But, man, the Mr. Perfect things were corny. This is exactly that, you know, except with her being portrayed as a baby face. 
So, I mean, I think they're good character introductions for her. These are fine. It's just, it's very funny to look at a couple of years ago when NXT did their introductory pieces on Bianca Belair and they just did them like, like a profile on like ESPN of like this incredible athlete interviewing her parents, showing highlights of all her sporting accomplishments. And then you see like the raw version of the introduction and it just, it just highlights like the differences in philosophy of how you introduce someone with an athletic background here, but um, yeah, I mean, these are, I mean, it tells you that Bianca Belair, there is uh, hopefully uh, a significant plan for her to reintroduce her. Mm -hmm. Then we got our video on retribution that I guess that's part of their contract is that they get uh, (laughs) their own editor as well in the company. Drew McIntyre comes out for the title match, followed by Ziggler, who reintroduces Peterborough's own Bobby Roode, who I d- did they even mention that he is now on Raw from SmackDown? No, I don't think so. I did not even know until I looked up his cage match profile because I just wanted to see when his last match was and realized, oh, yeah, this guy was on SmackDown. What, when was his last match? March, early March, right before the sh- like the week before the shutdown. Was he injured? I don't know what the deal was with him. I mean, I I was under the impression he still lived in Canada. So I don't know if that was, had to do with it or or not. Hmm. But I I, I had been under the impression he was still living up here in Canada. So what was his gimmick last? Like, was he in the shorty G thing or was he with Ziggler? Like what? He was, he was teaming with, uh, I want to say Ziggler was on. Dude, yeah, I think it was Corbin on SmackDown. Here, let's uh, let's pull this up. Was Dolph Ziggler on SmackDown? Okay, so his last match was a tag title elimination chamber match. Oh, he was. This was at Elimination Chamber. He was teaming with Ziggler on SmackDown. Yes, but they were doing it. He was also doing six mans here with Corbin and Sheamus in the weeks before this. Um, So Dolph Ziggler, he was. Was on SmackDown. Yeah, Ziggler. As well? Ziggler was on SmackDown too. Remember, he was with Mandy on SmackDown, and then he moved over to Raw. I totally. They were doing that. the Ziggler Mandy Rose storyline. Right. Okay, you're right. Yeah. And why did he? And get then moved he just over? one day came over. Uh, he, they just needed him on Raw to feud with Drew. Drew needed an opponent. Gotcha. Okay. But I think this emphasizes like we're going into the draft. Which is supposed to be, oh my god, this big thing that people are switching brands. It's like, dude, no one can even keep track of where these people are. Mm-hmm. And when someone flips over, no one cares. Like, it's going to have to be the biggest of the big names. And that's about all people will care about. And I think, like, there's literally four to five people that you would care are moving brands. Mm-hmm. And the rest are just totally interchangeable. If Kevin Owens is on SmackDown in a month, who cares? If Sami Zayn's on Raw, who cares? If AJ Styles is back on Raw, who cares? Right, yeah. And no real, no real indication about NXT? NXT is not advertised in any of the drafts, so I'm assuming they're not part of this at all. Mm. Just like last year. So they had a decent match here. Um, again, it was Roots first since March. Um, he got hit with that inverted Alabama slam onto the apron. Uh, McIntyre attacks Ziggler, and this allows Rude to attack his left knee, wraps the legs around the post, applies the figure four. Drew comes back with a Glasgow kiss, then does a kip-up after a belly-to-belly, and his knee gives out. 
recovers from that, hits a future shock DDT. Ziggler distracts again, leading to a glorious DDT and Drew with the big kickout spot. Then he counters another glorious DDT to hit the Claymore in 12 minutes and 42 seconds. Fine match. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Good selling from Drew. Um, you know, this for was a guy a that hasn't worked in like that many months. I mean, it was you know a fairly seamless return for Bobby Roode. I thought so. Um, I don't know what the you know behind the scenes like how much they knew going into this and what they had to kind of like put together from scraps. But I would imagine this probably wasn't the show that they were intending on doing. Um, well, certainly with the absence of retribution, it wasn't. So. I mean, and no raw and no raw underground to build segments around either. Yeah. So, um, all that said, I still thought it was a better raw than last week, just because there weren't. Oh as many, my God! Way, where's the trophy to present? There, there just weren't as many in, uh, moments for where I wanted to pull my hair out. So even uh, just a default base level, you know, put put let's see what you could put together type of raw was at least better than that. So um, yeah, it was it was fine. It was just kind of wait, there. wait, we're not done. Oh, sorry. Yes, sorry. We go backstage, and suddenly, the masked janitor reveals a chair he's got, and he walks up to the Legends Lounge, as it is labeled, and the masked janitor is Randy Orton, who proceeds to put on goggles, walks into the room with the Legends, the lights go off, and it's like shotguns going off. And then with Samoa Joe's defining call of his career, those are night vision goggles. The lights come on and we may have, we should have just had blood splattered on the walls. This should have been right at a Scarface. Yeah, and these- there the legends are laid out and Randy exits the building and he puts the mask on. Pat Buck to the rescue is pointed to the lounge and Randy Orton out. Yeah. Yeah, man. This was a hell of a night vision attack. Um, uh, is he aware that Shawn Michaels had his own hunting show? I mean, this guy could come back and find this man with a crossbow. Ooh. Um, this is the cinematic match I want. Yes. Yeah. Night vision match or we, yeah, we talked about it. Uh, you know, it was, it was crazy. It was weird. I think definitely on par with like, so I would say somewhere in between, you know, a retribution coming in and also a man being eaten by a shark. Like raw these days is just, (laughs) Jesus Christ. Raw these days is just like a hyper reality thing. I mean, it's, it's guys using, you know, snowboarding goggles and pretending them, pretending that they're night vision goggles. Um, it's just a bad shit, crazy show. And I think for most who want a different product, they're going to hate it. If you embrace it as like ridiculously tacky, stupid TV, that is kind of fun. You might actually enjoy it. The last couple of months, like there's been... Like, if you just go and you follow this product through the pay-per-views, I think you'd come away really enjoying this product. Just go... You dedicate three hours a month is your commitment. I don't need to follow the TV. I will get caught up with the video packages on the pay-per-view and 
not go through the weekly TV, I think you will have a way more enjoyable experience of this product because these are not stories that are enhancing the program. And not oh, in every case. Dude, I'm like, not going to – that's watching, not a Watching the show like in its like normal form for three hours or like three hours plus the two hours, there's just so much filler in between that is just unnecessary for – for you to like, you know, um, get get set for a feud, um, you could definitely cut all that out. Like, if that's what I would do, you know, uh, or just watch the recap videos, or I guess listen to podcasts or YouTube clips, um, and then occasionally when they have like batshit crazy segments like this or the Mysterio thing, you can tune in and enjoy those. Tonight's Raw, the forum gave this one a three point eight eight. Mm-hmm. which I guess is better than last week's Raw. So you were correct in that sense. Paul from New Jersey. I enjoyed the opening of the show. Zelina Vega has done a good job on her own, and I would like to see more of her in the ring. Glad to see Dana Brooke get some TV time. She was clearly called up way too early, which was five years ago, but has very much improved over that time. Board Drew Gulak. Definitely a better show than last week, but still a five. Ways Cowboys pull off a dramatic come-from-behind victory on Monday night to remain undefeated at 3-0. and What's oh, going on, Way? Damn, wow. Well, listen, I've been a huge football fan my whole life. I've been, I mean, you know, I've done all my studying. I know all my touchdowns and uh, sacks. Know all about my, um, the field goal you, ca- you clearly put all your energy, took it away from G1 and put it into your NFL team this year. I think I was born for this. Yeah, definitely. Noah from Vaughn. Well, thank you. Uh, well, the season's not over yet. Noah from Vaughn. So after doing some checking, I found out that Apollo after tonight has had 14 straight matches against the Hurt Business since June. That is absurd. <laughs> Raw seriously feels like it's been the same show for four months. Programs that are never ending. Owens versus Black was just terrible because before the match started, I was 100% certain it was ending in a DQ. This show shouldn't be so predictable that a match that matches with two big names ends up in a crap finish more often than not. So, um, okay. Yep. He says, uh, Chris Daniels emotional promo from BTE was better than anything on this episode of raw. I didn't see all of being the elite. I just, uh, kind of skimmed through it, but, um, yeah. Um, I can't comment on the promo. What was the promo about? Um, talking about how, you know, when AEW started, he thought, um, like he felt like he was really letting the team down. He had to kind of sit back while he saw his two partners win the championship. And he's just like kind of more thoughts about like the possibility of retirement. So mm. maybe doing, you know, one more kind of like final comeback story. Something for Wednesday. You've got Sky and Kazarian going for the tag titles. Maybe it means he gets involved or something. Hmm. Yeah, perhaps. Alexander from Portland writes, Tonight left me with so many questions. How can I be excited to see Mustafa Ali when he returned a few months ago, pinned U.S. champion Lashley in his return match, and nothing happened? While the Hurt Business is the best group on Raw, they'll feel so stale if they move on from feuding with Apollo to feuding with Apollo's friend. What did Zelina do since yesterday to earn a title shot? What's the point of the 24-7 title actually being defended in a match if the title switches hands so much outside of the matches? Why were Mandy and Dana placed in a tag match on Raw when they were both on SmackDown and the floating champions could have visited them there? Lastly, are we led to believe that Big Show, Christian, Flair, and Michaels chose not to watch Drew McIntyre's title defense and instead play cards? I'd rather have played 52-card pickup than watch this show. Two out of ten. It might have been an intense game of poker. 
Ben from Vancouver. Well, it was miles better than last week. I actually enjoyed Black and Owens a lot, and Rude was a nice surprise. But the Rollins Mysterio stuff is middle school level acting. It's completely embarrassing. And was Raw Underground all just a weird dream? Zero mention of it unless I missed something. Worse acting, Aaliyah or Dana Brooke? I don't know. I mean, we didn't really see Dana Brooke act tonight. She did like a one line promo. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, it's, it's pro wrestling. I don't think the expectations are, are really that high. Um, and I don't know. I think for this, like, Mysterio story, it's like, it kind of, I, it's, ho- it's so ridiculous anyway. Like, it's a campy storyline to yeah, begin with. It's, it's like, camp. Uh, Dave writes, for the first time in a long time, I attempted to sit through Raw after last week's review and it being widely panned, I thought it would be either a train wreck or amazing. It was somewhere in between. I did enjoy the show as a whole. Some thoughts. Aaliyah needs to take some slapping lessons from Stephanie. Dude with the AEW sign during the six-man tag. Come on, dude. You signed up for the Thunderdome for that. Same six-man tag. Did Mustafa Ali just pick up a victory on Raw alongside Ricochet and Apollo Crews? Teased throughout the show as to who would challenge Drew was intriguing. I'm a fan of Bobby Roode, but not sure how well it went over with the rest of the audience. Yeah, do you think, um, well, do you have a prediction about, like, uh, the ratings tomorrow? Ooh, I think that they had that big football game tonight. I think that they are going to do, what was the exact number last week? They did 1,668,000 viewers last week. I think they are going to do... I'm going to say right around, I think they're almost going to be even with next week. I think the pay-per-view bump will be, as last week, yes. I think the pay-per-view bump will be negated by the NFL. I think they're going to be right on par with what they did last week. Yeah, I guess I'm just not, not, I wonder if they'll receive any sort of bump um, from the pay-per-view. You know, you did have some legends to start off the show, if that meant anything. Um, Sometimes it has, when they have, have used that. I mean, they didn't. They only got that out really late in the day. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess, you know, you had this tease of who was going to show up for the main event. Although I don't know how gripping that that was as a show long story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say a bit under last week. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for the feedback on the forum. Uh, this concludes the show. But tomorrow, it's our split. Way is going to be going off with Nate and Chris from L.A. to review WCW Slam Jam Volume 1, while I'll be paired with Benno as we review the sixth day of the G1 Climax coming up uh, in just a couple of hours at Core Q and Hall, the B-Block show. Looking forward to catching up with Benno with his thoughts overall on the G1 and Tuesday show. But fear not, Way and I, uh, like Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode, will reunite on Wednesday. For the G1 show, uh, we're going to make it up by doing two shows together on Wednesday. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Yeah. Two shows on Wednesday and then uh, up next, of course, also on Wednesday. But uh, as with all the G1 shows, they are all available at postwrestlingcafe.com for all of our patrons. So again, thank you everybody who signed on with us for September. As we head into October, yeah, G1 continues and we'll have just as many bonuses. So um, enjoy Yes, tons of Patreon shows coming up this week if you look at the schedule. So check out all of that, and we'll chat with you on separate shows on Tuesday.